Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Groove Talk. This episode of the podcast and every episode of the podcast is brought to you by all the kind folks who donate to the show on a monthly basis using our Patreon page. If you would like to be one of these awesome individuals, please visit our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash style. That's frog, the letter E underscore style. You can donate as little as $1 a month or as much as $50 a month. And each, the more you donate, the better rewards you get, essentially. Um, if you do donate the minimum amount, which is $1 a month, which is only $12 a year, you gain access to uh, all of the Big Think bonus episodes, which is just a bonus series that me and my friend Brendan do. Um, they're about 20 minutes to half an hour long, and what we do is we just take kind of ethics problems and we discuss them in detail. The first episode of the Big Think bonus series is up on Patreon, and we just discussed the classic trolley problem in that episode. You also gain access to Tales from the Tabletops live sessions, which is basically just me and my friends playing D&D, and I record that. So if you're into that sort of thing, that's also up there for $1 a month. Also, you gain early access to certain interviews. Uh, for example, all the interviews that you will hear on this episode of Groove Talk have been up on Patreon for weeks now. So you gain access to early access to certain interviews for $1 a month, $12 a year. So consider donating to the show or at least check out our patreon page like i said patreon.com slash froggy style links will be in the episode notes um yeah it'd be awesome if you did that if you are fans of the show uh consider signing up for our email list you can find it at fsproductions.ca it's going to be the first thing you see when you visit the website all you do is you enter in your email and you hit sign up. Uh, being part of our email list will keep you up to date on podcast releases and special event info and stuff like that. And also signing up for the email list will automatically enter your name into any draws we do for prize packs and stuff. Prize packs include CDs and t-shirts and stickers and stuff like that from local bands, and also me, myself. So sign up for our email list, fsproductions.ca. While you're there, just check out the website. There's a lot of other cool stuff on there. Uh, short stories, creative writing, articles, all the podcasts get posted there, fsproductions.ca. Check it out, please. So this is, uh, on this episode of Groove Talk, uh, it's kind of a, I don't know, uh, I do phone interviews with people, and sometimes I use those for articles and stuff like that, but I decided to turn, turn those into their own podcast. They're a bit shorter, so I'm going to cover, well, at least in this one, I'm going to cover three, three different bands within uh, this podcast.
So the first interview that I have for you was done with C.C. Getty. He is the, one of the founders and organizers of Calgary's 420 Music and Arts Festival. The 420 Music and Arts Festival is happening at Distortion on April 19th, 20th, and 21st. There is a lot of really cool bands on the lineup, like Dope Throne and Sasquatch and Chunkasaurus and the Electric Revival, Buffalo Budbuster, a lot of really cool bands. there's also a, a DJ set happening. There's going to be uh, cannabis info. Uh, there, there's a beard contest. There's a lot of really cool things happening at the 420 Music and Arts Festival. Um, I get to talk with CC Getty, like I said, and he tells, tells us all about it and why it's important to him and why he thinks it's important just to, in today's culture and society in general. Uh, so, yeah. This is an interview with CC Getty of the 420 Music and Arts Festival. I really hope you enjoy it. This is Groove Talk with Froggy Style. Okay, it's all good to go. Okay. Um, so why don't you just introduce yourself uh, for the recording here? I'm C.C. Getty, and I'm the creator and CEO of the 420 Music and Arts Festival. Awesome. Um, could you tell us a little bit about the 420 Music and Arts Festival? Well, this is the second year that we've done it. Um, we tried to make it bigger and badder and rather than last year, so we've got uh, 24 bands playing over three days. And uh, I think we had three different food trucks, a beard contest, uh, all kinds of uh, vendors and um, activists, uh, uh, marijuana activists displaying all kinds of different products and uh, artistic stuff. So it's going to be it's going to be pretty cool. Awesome. Um, so I guess what goes into setting up a festival like this? Oh well. Um, we can't do it by ourselves. Uh, basically, it's myself and my, my wife to do it, but uh, we put together a submission committee with uh, some people that we know that uh, have the same taste in music that, that we have, but maybe, you know, just like things a little bit differently or, or like a di- different aspects of it. And, uh, you know, we ran submissions for quite a few months, and we got everyone together and went through everything, everything, and uh, kind of picked out some of the, the best bands that we thought would be great to add to the bill. and. You know, just kind of kind of went from there, and it's uh, the thing we've really discovered is you you can't take any time off to to put something together to this level and this scale and how we want to do it. We have to be working at it all the time, so it's uh, a lot of uh, evenings and a lot of weekends and uh, a lot of work for three days of of hella fun. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess how do you balance uh, planning a festival like this with like your your like family life? Um, you know, I just try to make sure that, uh, you know, you spend the evenings as, as best as you can with, with, with the family. But, uh, you know, it's just as long as everyone's happy, that's the key. And just uh, being open and having conversations with everyone, making sure everyone's being taken care of, that, that's the most important part. But I guess in the end, the, kid, the kids know that uh, this is something that we love to do. And, 
And they kind of benefit from it as well as too every once in a while because, hey, their parents aren't around for three days and they get to do all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> awesome. Um, so how do, you, how do you pick which bands you're going to put on the lineup? Well, um, you know, again, not necessarily just the selection committee, but, you know, we ask a lot of our friends uh, and people that we know that are into this type, type of music, uh, who would they like to see at the festival or you know, have there been bands that have never come to this area of Canada before or bands that have never been to Canada before, period. And uh, we kind of go that way. And, uh, you know, sometimes there's bands that haven't put an album out in a while or maybe there's something new is coming out that we might take a look at. But, you know, essentially we, we just we just try to take a look at, uh, you know, what what would be a great lineup and, you know, who who would be really fun to see in a, in a small, intimate environment. And let's, we kind of go from there. Awesome. Is there anybody that uh, you're really looking forward to see on the lineup? Well, I was really stoked. We were so close to getting Brent Bjork's band to play, and then um, I just realized someone just didn't have the availability. But when his manager called back and said, you know, he can't play the festival because, you know, the, the whole band isn't available, but he, you know, he was looking at what we were doing, and he, he wanted to come to it, and he said, you know, he'd love to DJ. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty stoked that we're going to have Brent Bjork here uh, DJing, or as he likes to call it, selecting and, and setting the mood for the night. Uh, it's something that uh, he loves to do, and he doesn't do it very often at this kind of level. So, I mean, that's going to be really cool. Certainly bringing bands like uh, Sasquatch and Great Electric Quest up to Canada for the first time is uh, is really cool. I've been into Sasquatch since their, uh, I think their second album. they got five albums out now, and uh, I just think they're one of the best bands around in the in the desert rock field of things. And uh, Celestia, my wife, well, you know, day one, she wanted us to try to get Dope Throne from Montreal to come, and uh, we reached out to them last year. I don't think they took us very seriously. I don't think uh, they thought that uh, we knew what we were doing, but I think they watched what we were doing, and uh, when I reached out to them this year to see if they wanted to come, they were they were all over it. So I'm really stoked to have Dope Throne out here. It's the, the first time they've ever played Western Canada and the first time they've ever played Calgary, so it's It'd be cool. And then, and then there's you know 21 other bands on the bill as well. There's so much great stuff. Derek Mendoza is bringing a couple bands out from Vancouver. Uh, Derek's a great, uh, you know, a guy who's uh, done a lot for the, the stoner rock scene in Vancouver. He's bringing his own band, Mendoza, and another band he's in called Chunkasaurus. You know, lots of bands from the West Coast coming out. We're bringing Chinga back from last year. We've got Buzzard and, and Heron, uh, Mothercraft from Edmonton. Uh, some great bands from Saskatchewan, Orbital Express, and uh, um, uh, Black Hell Oil, uh, Chronobot. I, you know, there's truly something for everyone. It, you know, if you like your music heavy, we have that. If you like to party during your music, we have that. If you want to, you know, if you, you want to dance and shake your butt all night long, we have that too. There's something for everybody. And if you're into the stoner rock scene and all the different genres that uh, take up that, you're certainly going to have a good time for the, the three days that you're at the festival. Cool. Yeah, it definitely sounds like there is something for everybody. It sounds like yeah, you have all much. your bases covered. <laughs> yeah, we, we want to make it a, a good, fun event for everyone. So, Yeah. Um, so what's something that maybe you learned from last year's event that you're taking and applying to this year's event? Well, definitely, like I said, how we really can't take any time off. We thought that uh, once we, you know, the festival is over, we'll take two or three months off and just chill out and relax. But, no, we really can't. Uh, you know, and we kind of discovered that early too. We we started early trying to sign bands, and you know, we we're already, we're already working on bands for next year, and we've already signed a couple. But I think the biggest thing is that you know, if you want to do something well and do it great, you you have to spend a lot of time at it. And uh, 
that's the biggest thing is this is just something we can't leave alone. We have to be doing it all the time to make it bigger, badder, and redder. Awesome. Uh, did you receive a lot of uh, feedback from last year's event? Um, straight up, I would say 99.9% of the feedback was that it was an awesome time and that people were looking forward to come back. And, you know, uh, some of the bands that were at it, we had Wolf Fat last year. They were our headlining act. We flew them up from Dallas, Texas. They were literally blown away. And, you know, Kent said, you know, if he needed a reference or he wanted to write a review that he would do that because of just uh, how well they were treated. And people just said, just, you know, keep, keep focused and keep, keep doing it the way you're doing it. Don't change it. And so that's, you know, that's what we're doing. We just want to make it a, a fun event and a, you know, a, a big event in a small venue is, is what we're trying to do. Awesome. Um, so why do you, why do you feel like this event is important in today's like culture with like the legalization of marijuana, like on the horizon? Why do you feel like this event is important? Well, first of all, I'm a, I'm a medical marijuana user. I have uh, Crohn's disease. I almost died from it nine years ago. And uh, the doctors could never figure out, as bad as I have it, you know, why were the symptoms not, you know, so brutal with me. And, uh, you know, after turning down all the crazy drugs and steroids they wanted me to do, I went and saw a naturopath, and the naturopath straight out, you know, as we went through a whole litany of questions trying to find out, you know, how long have I had Crohn's and why was it reacting the way that it was in me, you know, and she discovered that I uh, was a recreational user and not very much of one, but I did also suffer from back pain. and. I was truly also using it for that, but then she told me that the uh, THC and the CBDs and the marijuana that I was consuming um, react very differently in the body of someone with Crohn's disease, and you know, in fact, it actually heals the intestine and the, and the gut in there and uh, can actually reverse the symptoms. But I mean, the big thing for us is to break down all the stereotypes and you know, uh, bring people together through music and art. That might not have thought of things like medical marijuana. Um, you know, maybe you're coming out to see some bands and you come by uh, one of our sponsors, uh, Dabcor, uh, sell all kinds of uh, amazing hemp-based CBD products. So nothing that you need, you need a prescription for, but you might just learn, you know, what the CBD will do for your body and how it can impact you. And, you know, people every day are striving to get opioids out of their systems and, you know, the studies are out there you can replace a lot of opioid um, benefits with CBDs and not have the negative side effects of being addicted to the, the opiates. And, you know, you look at what happened to people like uh, Tom Petty and Prince, and we all know what the big negative side effect is there. And I'll tell you right now, no one has ever died from consuming CBD in any way, shape, or form. And like I said, it's really it's just to get people together uh, to discover some music that maybe they never knew about because they're coming to, to learn about CBDs. And maybe you know, you might come down and discover some stuff about this miracle plant that really does have the potential to save our planet in more ways than just uh, medical uses. So, like I said, it's just getting people together to to learn some new stuff and experience some great music and have some fun at the same time. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, there is a, a dependence in our society on opioids and prescription drugs, mm-hmm. and marijuana can replace a lot of those a lot of those drugs for sure. It sure um, can, and I'll tell you right now, a big farmer is scared because, you know what, you and I can, you know, with a couple lights or the right backyard in a greenhouse can grow our own medicine, and we don't need to have all this uh, chemically produced stuff uh, that costs millions upon billions of dollars to create and then overcharge the public by uh, selling stuff that's not good for them, and I think it's kind of scaring 
big pharma. I mean, this is a nice thing. It's a plant. It grows. It just needs sun, water, and some nutrients. It's not rocket science, you know. Yeah, and you can't you can't patent it. So <laughs> exactly right. There's no patent. It's, it's there. Yeah. So I guess uh, what are some specific things that you're you are doing to kind of educate people at the festival about marijuana? Well, we have um, a normal will be at the event. Uh, Keith Sagan and his crew, uh, normal. They, um, you know, they've been. These are the pioneers. That the, there would be no legalization happening anywhere, uh, and certainly in North America. But I mean, they're also in Europe as well. Without the work that normal has done, and uh, they'll be set up throughout the whole the whole three days of the festival, the 19th, 20th, and 21st of April, educating people on you know the coming federal legalization, what it means provincially. And, you know, what it means municipally as well. And, you know, everyone thinks it's going to be legal. It's, it's great. But, you know, you, you want to open your eyes to how it's being uh, brought out and how it's uh, being legalized and, you know, what we're not going to be able to do and some of the things that they're doing that I, that I don't think are good. You know, we don't, as a prescriber of drugs on a, on a medical benefit plan, we don't pay taxes to, uh, you know, go pick up our Oxy or our T3s. But uh, if I have a prescription and I need the uh, the medical marijuana for my Crohn's, I am going to pay taxes on it. And it's because the government thinks that it's too lax. So maybe the government should change the rules. But this is the stuff that Normal is doing. They're educating people to tell you, you know, what's coming and how is it going to affect you and, and really just opening your eyes to, to, to what's coming. And, of course, like I said as well, our main sponsor is Dabcor, uh, amazing distributors of, uh, legal hemp-based CBD products, and they're certainly there to educate you, uh, you know, how to take oils, how to take topical potions, how to uh, take edibles, and, you know, how you can improve your health without even needing a prescription. So there's going to be, like I said, uh, lots of things to have fun and party with. There's going to be some amazing artists and artisans you can experience their art with, but you can certainly come down and you can learn about this uh, miracle plant called uh, cannabis. Awesome. Um, have you had any uh, difficulties maybe promoting the event? Um, this year, not as bad as last year. Uh, yeah. Last year, we had a, a lot of negative feedback because we had a, a beer company that was sponsoring us. But, you know, I mean, they're big proponents of the arts, and we're about art as well. And we also had a lot of problem last year with um, the graphic on our poster. Um, uh, cannabis being a, a natural plant, we kind of went with the, the Earth Mother kind of vibe. And, I don't know, someone on Facebook reported us for nudity. And even though, uh, you know, Facebook's uh, police came back and said, yeah, 100%, you're not, you know, breaking any of the rules that we have for nudity. But, uh, you know, it is nudity because people are saying that it's nudity. So we had to actually change our, our poster. But, you know, none of that this year. Um, we did have some problems uh, promoting and boosting our event because uh, Facebook thought we were selling illegal drugs. <laughs> but, <laughs> Once we kind of educated them and showed them what we're doing, and the fact that it's going to be legal in Canada, they quickly reversed. And uh, we've been having some success advertising. Ticket sales are a little bit uh, ahead of where they were last year, so that's uh, that's pretty exciting. Awesome. Um, so I guess how have you seen uh, like attitude towards marijuana changed in your lifetime? Well, I mean, it's gone from. You know, uh, I come from a military background, and actually, my 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 father was like the uh, the drug and alcohol uh, counselor uh, for some people. And you know, back when I was in high school, you know, it was just say no, and you know, if your friends or parents are doing drugs, phone the police. Uh, and certainly now, it's it, it's different. You know, um, 
you know, kids are taking uh, medical marijuana to school for CBD oils for things like seizures and anxiety, and schools are open to that kind of thing. Where before, I mean, we both know that that just wouldn't happen. And even you know, in my professional life, you know, like I said, I have Crohn's, um, and uh, you know, people don't know 100% what I'm truly all about because I kind of keep my professional life and my personal life separate. But uh, you know. Uh, my my supervisors, uh, presidents of the company, and clients I work for, um, again, know that I have Crohn's, and it's amazing some of the emails that I get, you know, did you know you could take CBD oil for your Crohn's? Did you know that THC can help you out? You know, did you know you can take this type of a shot with this to help you out? So it, it's just amazing how in the span of, you know, 15 to 20 years, it's gone from, you know, being just worried about, you know, picking something up and bringing it to my uncle who suffers from MS to having people want to share their experiences with me and, and share successes of how this plant has changed their lives and other people's lives. So I think that's pretty cool. And it is yeah. just a plant. Come on. I mean, a little bit of water, a little bit of sun is going to grow. How, how, how bad is that after all? Yeah, exactly. It's definitely not bad enough to be like a schedule one drug. <laughs> well, but you know what it is? It is somewhere. And that's, that's what the problem is. That's, yeah. that's what the problem is right there. At least we're, we're not that bad in, in, in Canada. We're yeah. getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be July 1 or a little bit later than that, but we're getting there, and then hopefully we come out uh, uh, good on the other side. Yeah, definitely. I think the one of the main reasons, too, is there's just more access to information with the Internet and stuff like that. Oh, you know, 100%. And someone was asking me about that the other day. Uh, did, did they think that uh, the Internet was helping it? Well, for sure, I mean, because, again, the sharing of information, um, but also just people – getting out and, you know, reacting and speaking up and just providing a platform. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess, are there just kind of any final things that you want to throw out there about the 420 Music and Arts Festival? You know, we're, what, as, as I talk to you now, I think nine sleeps away. Uh, it's coming up. It's crunch time. Um, we're certainly into overdrive, but uh, we've decided to keep our advanced tickets Prices at $69. They were supposed to go up to $89 as of April 1st. But to be honest, tickets were selling so good, we didn't want to see it slow down. So we've got the tickets uh, available at 420musicandartsfestival.ca and .com. You just go into the store. You can get your three-day passes for $69. We have individual single-day tickets for $25 to $35. Bucks. There's even, if you think you can only go to two days, there's two-day packages available. Um, if you want physical tickets here in Calgary, you can go to uh, Swap records, deadly tattoos, or distortion live music venue and, and pick your tickets up. And, uh, you know, uh, one thing I'd like to tell everyone is distortion is a cash, uh, cash only venue. They do have bank machines, but you, they don't take credit cards. So, and you know, so same thing with most of the vendors don't take credit card as well. So if you're coming down, you know, bring a pocket full of cash. There's a bank machine to bring a pocket full of cash and, uh, you'll have a good time and, uh, soak up the atmosphere, soak up the music and, uh, soak up the information being shared because all of it together will make you feel better in the end. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me again. <laughs> no worries. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Um, and uh, I look forward to uh, uh, experiencing the 420 Music and Arts Festival. Right up. Well, finally come and hunt me down, and uh, we'll go have a shot of CBDs. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thanks, man. Right on. Thank you so much. Have a good night. All right. You too. Take care. This next interview is with Mike Horvath, 
and he is the lead singer for Vancouver-based metal band Two Shadows. Uh, Two Shadows will be coming through town on April 30th. They will be playing at again at Distortion. It was really uh, Two Shadows is about to embark on a really big cross Canada tour. They're going from coast to coast, basically, or at least from coast to Montreal. Um, this is their first big cross Canada tour. It's called the Feed the Obscene Tour, um, and like I said, they'll be stopping in. Uh, Calgary, April 30th at Distortion. It was really awesome to get the chance to talk to Mike. Uh, He tells us all about Two Shadows and kind of how they focus on really the live show and kind of focus on putting on a nice big performance, which is awesome. Um, So yeah, I hope you enjoy this interview with Mike Horvath from Vancouver-based metal band Two Shadows. Hello? Hello? Cool. Uh, so, yeah, it's all good to go. Yeah. Um, so, uh, could you just introduce yourself for for the people who will be listening? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Hello, my name is Mike Horvath. I'm from the band Two Shadows. Awesome. Um, so, I was, I was wondering if you could just give us a little description of kind of what Two Shadows is, like when when they were formed and like kind of what they're about and stuff. Two Shadows has always been about uh, theatrics and entertaining and making very honest music. We, uh, we've we never been ones to write about things that we don't really understand ourselves. We, we've never been a political band. We've never been uh, a dishonest band. We're always very real about what we write. Um, and I think that's just the, the best thing about it, uh, in my opinion. So uh, yeah, like I said, we're, we're, we've always just been about you know giving people the best possible show and making sure people walk away from it um, you know just entertained and feeling satisfied with what they saw. Awesome. So uh, how long have you guys uh, been a band then? Uh, the band itself uh, has kind of it was an idea for for a long time, and then we. And then the original lineup, um, before I was actually in the band, uh, wrote and recorded Transference, and then I joined the band uh, in February. So okay. um, the band is, has been around for about four years now. Okay, cool. And so you joined in February of this year? Uh, February of last year. Okay, awesome. Um, so you guys are about to go on a... Big cross cross Canada tour here. Yes, indeed. Um, so, is this your? I know you. The, the band has done uh, at least some Western Canada touring. Um, so, is this your yeah. first time out east? Or uh, no, this is the first time we've ever been uh, been out east. Actually, uh, like any none none of us have you know really gone that far actually um, in in any project that we've done. So we're, we're all really 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 excited to to be able to see what that side of the country has to offer. Awesome. Uh, is there any places in particular that you're really looking forward to visiting? Montreal. I've, yeah. Uh, I've always wanted to visit Montreal. Um, I, I speak a little bit of French, so I'm, I'm going to try to touch up on that a little bit before we go. And uh, Guelph is going to be a really good show. Um, any, uh, I'm, I'm actually really, really excited to see Toronto. 
Uh, yeah. We have a day off in Toronto, actually, on uh, the 7th of May, which is actually uh, my birthday, so I get to spend my birthday in uh, Toronto, which will be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah that's so, awesome. Uh, yeah, definitely. So I'm definitely, I'm just excited to see what that what that side of the country has to offer. It's, it's definitely a different scene over there than it is over here. So, uh, you know, we're we're all really excited. Awesome. So um, I guess what's maybe one of the biggest challenges in planning a big tour like this? Uh, definitely, uh, I mean, it takes a long time, I mean, like, we've been planning this tour and booking for it for about <laughs> four or five months now. Uh, it's definitely, the routing can get a little bit, uh, complicated, because, like, the original itinerary that we had for this tour, and, like, the original routing that we had is, com- is was completely different than what we have it at now, so that, you know, that gets a little bit, uh, difficult, but... You know, we, we, we managed to make it work. We don't have uh, any – we have, a, like, two very long trips, I think, but we managed to get three days off to be able to do those trips anyway. So definitely the routing, uh, getting uh, the money is, is de- it's definitely an expensive endeavor because you got to spend a lot of money on merch. you got to spend a lot of money on, you know, getting your van fixed up so that you, you don't risk uh, breaking down in the middle of the highway, so it's expensive, and the routing can get a little bit uh, complicated at times just to kind of figure out, you know, how to how to get everywhere. But uh, for the most part, you know, that stuff kind of figures itself out. Awesome. Um, so I was, what's a, what, could you take us through what a Two Shadows live show would kind of be like? We... I mean, I've never, I've never really watched a Two Shadows show, but honestly, it's like, for me, it's always been about, you know, theatrics. It's always been about movement. It's always been about, you know, uh, excitement and a little bit of, you know, kind of eeriness to it. Uh, from start to finish, you're getting, you know, uh, it, it's all, it, it almost kind of plays off like a play almost. It, it has parts to it. Because we, we separate, we have the intro track, which uh, is called Transference Part 1, and then we have Transference Part 2. So we kind of like to split it up <clears throat> into two separate parts. And um, I like to think of it as almost like a play, because, you know, how plays have different parts into, in it, and it, it's theatrical, it's, it's, you know, kind of a little bit scary, it's a little bit, you know... It's it's a lot of fun and people are definitely enthralled by all the uh, you know all the things that we like to bring that not a lot of other bands really bring to the table. So uh, we're we're definitely excited about uh, we're we're introducing some new some new aspects to the to the live show and we're really excited to see how they pan out. Awesome. Uh, so it kind of sounds like theatrics and stuff are really in, important to the band. Um, Absolutely. So was that a uh, was that a conscious decision, like did you, or did it just kind of happen? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, it was. You know, we 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 all love bands. You know, we all grew up listening to bands like you know Alice Cooper and uh, you know Motionless and White. And you know, I I've been a huge Motley Crue fan for as long as I can remember. So you know, definitely all those bands brought a, a big show and a big you know. And, and they they left a they left a mark wherever they went. So, you know, it, it, it's definitely about giving people something to watch while we're playing. You see a lot of bands and they go up on stage and they're wearing pretty much their work clothes. You know, it looks like they just got off work. And we like to you know make it 
we 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 put a lot of effort into you know making the show look good and making the show sound good so that people will remember it. Like one of my favorite bands of all time um, is is Avatar, and their their show was when I they're one of the best live bands I've ever seen because the entire time no one stopped moving and the entire time the audience was completely captivated by that whole experience and that's the, that's the same type of thing that I want people to be when uh, when they see a few shadow shows I want them to be captivated throughout the whole throughout the whole performance and then they you know when they leave they're like wow like that was absolutely incredible and they remember who we are and they remember what we sound like so it's definitely it's definitely an important thing to bring that theatrics to make us stand out a little bit more than uh, other bands do. Cool. Um, so I know that uh, at least your kickoff show in Vancouver is a all ages show. Um, is there a lot of all ages shows on the tour? Or as far as I know, I think there are. Uh, I know Fort St. John is an all ages show. And uh, we we were planning on Edmonton. We know we were planning on Lethbridge being an all ages show, but then that got moved up to eighteen plus. I really wish we played more all ages show because that's kind of the the demographic of people that really the the younger generation is definitely the demographic that that is more inclined to go to shows and really become you know super fans of of a band like Two Shadows. So we we definitely do want to be doing more all ages shows, but as as far as we're concerned, it, it's the venues that kind of make those decisions um, because they're bar because they have bars in there. And uh, so as far as I know, it's it's uh, Vancouver and Fort St John that are the all ages shows, but I'm not entirely sure about the rest of them. Okay. Um. So I like you said that uh, you know uh, you're kind of aiming towards maybe a younger crowd and stuff like that. Um, so was metal, like, really important to you growing up? Absolutely. Yeah. Metal was the the only genre of music that I really felt, uh, you know, really drawn to on, on a personal level because it's, it's such a, a family dynamic um, in metal as far as, you know, you know the people especially. Because, you know, you, you walk around town and you see someone wearing, like, a Slipknot shirt or, or a, you know, like a Pantera shirt. And, you know, you, you raise those devil horns and they know exactly what that means and they'll do it right back to you. So it, it, it's one of those genres that it, it, it's like a lifestyle to some people. And it's, it, that's just one of the best things about it is people are so enthralled by it. Metalheads are the ones that go out and they buy records and they, they go out and they you know, buy tickets to the shows. They really do a lot to make sure that they care about the bands and they care about the, the people that are also into the same sort of style of music as they are. You don't see that with a lot of other genres. So I was really, really captivated by that when I started getting into metal. Um, I remember going to see Slipknot and uh, Corey Taylor, he was doing his big speech and he told, you know, the entire crowd, he's like, this, all these people around you are your family and then he got everyone to turn to the person next to them and give them a big hug. <laughs> to me, like, you don't see that at other concerts. You don't see that sort of family dynamic at other concerts. And that was just, that was one of the things that really turned me on to metal. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I would, I definitely agree with that. Uh, people always have this stigma that metalheads are these, you know, big, scary, you know, 
angry people, but like they're some of the nicest people that you're going to meet. <laughs> oh, exactly. No, absolutely. I've I've never. I've you know, of course, there are some bad eggs around, but for the like for every bad egg, I've I've met like twenty other amazing, awesome people at metal shows. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um. So I guess. How has the how have you seen the band grow and change um with with in with your time there? We've definitely we've matured a lot as as people and as uh musicians definitely like we we've grown to be a much more tighter and you know we've 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 definitely grown as friends as well like you know from the start me and uh Tris our guitar player you know we I did I'd never met the guy before and now like I I've literally the longest that I've, in the time that I've known him the longest that I've gone without like seeing or talking to him was three days. Mm-hmm. So you know I see him every day and I I you know we were in the studio every day. But as far as like the growth of the band, you know we're every every single time we go on tour we see the audience grow and we see the people kind of become more and more interested in what we're doing and that's so incredible to to see because you know it really just shows that we're we're doing something right and I, I I love seeing I love seeing us grow and I love seeing us uh become better musicians better friends and there's just I, I wouldn't ask for anything more than for us to just be able to continue to grow and continue to uh you know you know build a bigger audience build a tighter fan base and just kind of be, uh, of course, like everyone, like any person that forms a band, I want us to be the biggest band in the world. And I want us to have a really, you know, tight bonds throughout that entire experience. Awesome. Um, so in, in your opinion, what do you, like, what do you think makes a successful band? An amazing fan base. The fans are the ones that make your career, and uh, I every single show that I go to, I thank every single person that I can for coming out to the shows. Because without them, you're not you're not doing anything. If if they weren't coming out to the shows, we wouldn't be able to go out on tour. If they weren't buying merch, we wouldn't be able to afford you know gas for the next show. So really, it's, it's the fans that make that make the band. Your fans are your biggest uh, supporters, and nothing. And you should never ever discredit your fans for what they've done to uh, help grow your band. Awesome, cool. Um, well, is there just kind of any final things that you wanted to throw out there before we close this up? Uh, I just wanted to say to everyone that we are very very excited to uh, be heading out on the Speed the Obscene tour, and we cannot wait to see and talk to every single person that comes out to these shows, and we hope to see everyone uh, out moshing, having a good time, and just raising hell. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time, Mike. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Have a good evening. You as well. This next interview is with John McMorrin. John is uh, the lead singer and guitar player of UK-based metal band Bloodshot Dawn. I spoke with John over Skype. It was 
my first Skype interview, so that was really, really interesting. I guess my first international interview. John and Bloodshot Dawn will be coming through Calgary. They'll be here on May 1st. And again, they will also be playing at Distortion. It was really interesting talking to John, uh, kind of finding out what the UK metal scene is like. Um, they're also about to embark on a cross Canada tour. It's actually the band's very first time in Canada. So that subsequently means it's going to be their very first time playing in Calgary as well. Um, they are going on tour in support of their latest album, Reanimation, um, and that just came out in January. The band has toured all over Europe, and this is actually, this will be their first time in North America. So I hope you enjoy this interview with John McMorrin from Bloodshot Dawn. Fans, um, 
is a really good scene for our style of music. So um, yeah, it's just it's just something we've been looking forward to do for a while, and especially now considering um, one of our um, members is Canadian. It's, it's obviously a home tour for him, so he's really happy about that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I guess what goes into like planning an international tour like this? I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of aspects. You know, you got to make it financially viable. Um, obviously, you got to make sure. You know, you, traveling between continents and stuff, you got to make sure your visa requirements are fixed. Fortunately, Canada has um, very, very lenient. Visa requirements for musicians nowadays, which is really great. Uh, better than any country I think I've been to m- myself. So I'm pleased about that. Um, and obviously you got to you got to make sure you do do the legwork promoting because there's no point in traveling all that way um, if no one's going to be there. And especially if you're a band that's doing it for the first time. I mean, you know, you, Turn heads on out because people aren't just gonna know that you're playing. <laughs> if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, um, good to have people on the ground in Canada that are willing to help out and do, you know, help you out, help us out with the transportation stuff. Because obviously, you know, Canada compared to England, it's you know the size difference is quite ridiculous. <laughs> so. Um, so you know that's going to be a new experience for me at least driving those distances but yeah. I'm really looking forward to the challenge yeah <laughs> yeah Canada definitely is, is quite the big place <laughs> um, is there anywhere in particular that you're really looking forward to like visiting um Nowhere in particular, I'd say. I mean, I'm re- I'm quite looking forward to Toronto um, because that's Morgan's hometown. So, uh, um, you know, I'm looking forward to meeting his friends and stuff like that. And I'm sure he's going to want to show me some of the sites. Um, all in all, I'm just looking forward to you know experiencing you know metal gigs across the country. Um, you know, meeting fans. You know, in different sort of cultures. I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure it's fairly similar to Britain, but there will be obviously a lot of differences. Yeah. So um, I'm just looking forward to you know experiencing the differences between gigs in our country and gigs there. <laughs> cool. Um, so I was, I'm wondering if you could like tell us uh, a little a little bit about like the UK metal scene. Like, is it thriving? Like, what what's it like? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a high quality of bands nowadays, and a lot of shows. You know, the country's the country's quite small, but you know, there's um, you can play in a lot of the cities, and even the smaller cities and towns have a scene for their extreme metal. Um, and it's always growing, and we have we have some really great outdoor festivals as well, like uh, Blood Sock Open Air. You know, it's about 15,000 people. Um, 
so our team will congregate there once a year um, and you know that that has positive roots in the scene because it's got like um, an unsigned competition nationwide that you know gives access to maybe 30 bands a year to play at a major festival with huge bands um, so that's you know that's a big part of the scene nowadays and a lot of bands are striving to get to Bloodstock Festival we also have download and stuff like that you know for slightly bigger more commercial bands um, but yeah I mean even the smaller shows you know there's good attendance people are really enjoying it I think it's up on years ago I think it's improving a bit so that's great cool so like uh, you guys have been around for a while or at least Bloodshot Dawn has um, so how have you seen the metal scene kind of change in like that period of time Um, it's hard to gauge really because you know we've we've changed as a band as well okay. um, over the years you know so obviously the scene is with us um, but I mean I think there is a lot more interest nowadays social media seems to have created a storm of new talent um, which is, is never a bad thing you know the more the more musicians that are getting them themselves out there the more chance there is for people to find um, bands that they really love um, you know the, the main issue I think is there may, maybe sometimes there's too much choice for people people don't like to have so much on on the table and they find it hard to find exactly what they want to listen to um, but I guess that depends on, on the fact and um, I mean, it, it, I, I think it's with all the digital, the way that things are going with digital and stuff, um, I think people have a lot more accessibility to listen to music. And therefore, I think it's it, the scene's in a, a lot better state. And if a band really has great talent, then they'll, you know, they'll have their opportunity to shine a lot easier than they may, might have been able to 15 years ago, like when we started, because it was more sort of, uh, you know, demo CDs and stuff like that, which is not really a thing nowadays. Um, like, what are some things that uh, you guys do specifically to kind of stand out from from the rest of bands or from other bands? to uh, like you know like you said there's a lot of bands out there now and we're kind of inundated with a bunch of bands through social media and stuff like that so I guess what do you guys do maybe on social media or um, oh, okay. like okay. Um, stand out um, I'm not sure really. I mean we've been very persistent <laughs> you know it's we're in, a, in our 15th year now yeah. so and we've um, you know we've tried to work as hard as we can throughout that time um, but I mean it's just um, I think it's just getting your product out there you know with the way social media social oh, I can't speak social media is nowadays you know I think it's good to try and um, in, interact with your fans on a human level you know like instead of trying to keep a mystery about things you know try and get people involved 
uh, you know, we've always tried to do that and try to tease as much as possible. You know, do a lot of videos on YouTube. YouTube has been a big part of our the way we've connected with fans. Um, you know, a lot of people will watch our videos and will be doing stupid stuff and getting drunk or something, and you know, that's easily relatable for for most metal fans. <laughs> so, you know, I think if you create that common ground with uh, with people, that will give them more more interest to uh, gain insight into what you know what you're about as a musician and band. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I guess, um, what is it about metal music for you that really attracts you to it? Um, I think it's uh, the intensity. Like, for me... It's quite therapeutic to play shows, you know, because I play guitar and scream. It's it's quite an intense role, um, and I, I don't know. I just I, I I get a lot of energy out there, and you know, it sounds quite cliche, I guess, but it's it's just something I you know I use to vent. Um, and I, I mean, I enjoy the challenge as well. You know, I I like I like to. I find it satisfying to, you know, write exciting, exciting music with limited tools, you know, in in respects to dynamic and stuff. Um, extreme metal, death metal isn't exactly, you know, a huge open book of sound. Um, so it's fun. It's fun to try and uh, create moods and stuff just using the, you know, extreme sound. Um, and yeah, I mean, song writing and write creating the lyrical concepts and stuff like that it's all I don't know it's all it all ties in with the enjoyment it's just um, it's just like painting a, a picture with a lot of aspects you know so it's quite quite it's, you know getting the albums finished I guess that's the most satisfying thing when, when when you got the product finally in your hand and it's you know it's time to start touring and try and connect with the fans and you know have a good time playing the stuff live. Yeah. Um, so, like, how does the, the writing process work with you guys? Um, do you, like, jam until you find a song, or does, like, one person come with an idea and everybody kind of follows along? Um, well, for the latest album, uh, with the current lineup, um, it was mainly me and Morgan that wrote the album together. Um, you know, Morgan spent a lot of time when he joined the bands, just you know, creating lots of ideas. You know, not necessarily songs per se, but just lots of riffs and lots of different ideas. Um, and then we basically, um, with an open palette, sort of came together and just wrote the wrote the songs together, really, and try to enjoy the process. You know. Um, try and bounce creativity off each other we had an idea of how we wanted it to sound and you know we, we we know what we like so to speak so we just kind of went with what we liked um 
um, and just you know cr create songs out of this library of riffs that we created for ourselves pretty much you know we're, we're talking 500 plus riffs and you know going sifting through it all and deciding what we like and then maybe even only taking one riff and then creating a whole song around that one if you know if it inspired that way you know we just we just try to be as dynamic as possible and you know not limit ourselves by doing things a certain way um, and that gave a more natural result I think Guys, uh, are you still going to be playing some of those older songs live, or? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, we're we're catching up for, for lost time. With it's it's been six years since we released the first album, um, and our fan base has been building up since then. You know, first full length record, anyway. Um, and yeah, I mean, just, we still enjoy playing those songs live. So, you know, it'll be it'll be a mix of all three of the albums. Um, we've got quite a long set planned for the Canada tour, so it's around an hour. So hopefully people hopefully people don't get too bored. <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, have you have you seen those older songs change with like uh, the lineup changes? To be honest, no. I'd say the songs have kept their integrity. Um, every every musician that has joined the band, I think, has respected the, the you know the sound that we were going for. You know, they they haven't joined the band with a with an eye to change things. They've joined the band with an eye to continue doing what we're doing because they like it. Um, yeah, it's important. It's important for me, us, for me, to keep our integrity in that respect. Um, you know, if anything, we we worked and tried to figure out ways to make the songs more powerful live. Um, but you know, they're played exactly the same way. Um, you know, Morgan um, is even. He even plays the solos exactly spot on to how they are on the CD, just for in integrity's sake, you know, um, respecting how the songs were written before his time. Um, and I mean, you know, I'd never, I've never pressured him into doing that at all. It's, uh, it's out of choice for him. Um, you know, we obviously have a, a bit of fun live. We're not, we're not the sort of band that, you know, plug our guitars into computers and play along to the album. You know, we. We play play the songs live, you know, with proper amps, and you know, we, we might do things slightly different live, but you know, it's normally out of improvisation or just having fun. <laughs> you know, it's it's for us, for me, it's a bit more. I've just been playing like that since I was young, you know, and that's what I enjoy doing. I just worry, you know, using too many, too much technology could bite, bite us in the ass so to speak hey, I'm sorry I can't say that but <laughs> um, that's cool um, yeah I don't, I don't want things to go wrong on stage when it's unnecessary you know yeah um, so do you guys uh, like how many times do you guys practice sorry about that you just cut out oh, uh, how many times a week do you guys practice then uh, well, we all actually, we don't live close by to each other. Okay. Um, our 
our drummer, he actually also plays in the band Vader. So, so he lives in Poland with them. Uh, our bassist is living in northern Italy, and Morgan currently resides in Germany. And obviously, I'm in the UK. Yeah. Um, but I think we do personal practice on a daily basis you know you have to keep your chops up if you want to especially playing such a long set I mean I personally probably practice two hours a day um, sometimes it can be a chore but I mean you know it pays off when you're on stage and you can enjoy what you're doing there rather than uh, rather than worrying <laughs> about getting it right you know what I mean yeah definitely <laughs> Um, has, has it ever been like a problem for you guys living so far apart? No, not at all. Um, you know, um, I think with anything, it's you know we we always we always organise so that we can rehearse pre-tour. You know, it's it's not like we we go to a show and we haven't played together for six months or something. That's all it takes is a small amount of organisation and you know as long as we're well practiced and we know know the material at home you know eight hours in a rehearsal studio should be more than enough to prime a band you know to go on tour if they're if they're at the standards you know yeah um, and we, you know we're not a band that we're not a band that um, records music that's beyond our means um, I'm not saying that a lot of bands do that but you know some bands might use guitar pro or something to do something ridiculous ridiculous guitar solo or slow stuff down or anything like that but you know that's not something again that we do uh, mainly for integrity just because we want to be able to perform it live you know we we uh we're not trying to make our lives too difficult <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, I've definitely heard of bands that, uh, you know, they do some stuff in the studio that they're never going to be able to replicate live, and that's that's not what you want, I guess. <laughs> no, of course not. I mean, you know, obviously there can be certain songs and situations where that can be a thing. Um, you know, if you're recording, some songs are maybe recorded with an eye to not actually play them live. Um, I know that sounds a bit strange, but, you know, say if you wanted to be a bit more diverse and maybe add some, I don't know, some Aborigines music amongst your metal song, you know, maybe that's not even possible to perform unless you have, you know, you're not going to be able to find a choir or something to just appear on stage. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Um, so I guess, uh, what kind of bands influence, influence you? Um, me personally, I mean, early on I was really influenced by Pantera when I, you know, when I was a lot younger. I started the band when I was 15 years old. Um, you know, before that, I didn't really know where I was going with music and stuff like that, but I saw the Pantera home videos and saw them talk, you know, their tour videos and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I just kind of wanted to do that. I was like, that's what I want to do <laughs> early on. And then, um, yeah, I guess musically, band, bands that have influenced me, a lot of Swedish bands, for sure, like At The Gates and Scar Symmetry are um, a massive influence on us, just because of the way they approach their songwriting and, uh, you know, the modern style of metal. Um, 
great solos as well um, and also like a lot of Polish bands like uh, Vader Behemoth you know, the intensity that um, the death metal scene has brought out there in, in the last 10-15 years is you know it's quite it's quite inspiring it's quite a new sort of demonic sound I don't know it's, it's um, I love thrash metal as well like a, I'm a sucker for any thrash metal like I, last week I went and saw Testament and, and Annihilator from Canada's finest yeah. so yeah that was a, that was a great show but like yeah I mean you know I've, I've influenced a, a lot of things as well non-metal like Queen and the Beatles and stuff like that just just love that sort of I love great songwriting I guess that's that's my main main, main influence no matter what genre um, so have you have you always kind of been a metalhead or when did that kind of start uh, you know being a part of your life I wasn't born into it, I guess. <laughs> um, no, I mean, uh, I, I had an older brother that was, you know, he was he was quite a lot older than me, and when Nirvana and stuff became famous, he was really into all that. So, you know, I, I kind of looked up to him, and he, he, he played guitar. And I guess that was my sort of gateway into rock music and stuff like that. I mean, I, I'd say I got into extreme metal when I kind of started the band because, you know, that, that's when I first started hearing bands with blast beats, like Demon Borgir, Carcass and stuff like that, magazine covers, sample CDs and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I guess I had a, a pretty standard sort of build up to it, you know, with all the new metal metal scene and stuff when I was 13, 14 years old that was all new stuff like that and I guess that sort of as soon as I heard the more extreme side of things I was hooked (laughs) (laughs) obviously I was being a massive fan of Pantera as well you know they've got I know they're not they're not extreme metal really but they have a you know they have an extreme sort of sound with their production value and the way Dime played guitar and Phil's screaming and stuff they they were definitely a huge you know sort of transfer over to extreme metal yeah uh, I feel like that's almost like every metalhead's kind of journey you know they hear some like heavier stuff like Metallica or Pantera or something and then they just like keep searching for things that are heavier and heavier and then they eventually end up on like death metal or stuff like that and yeah yeah, it's 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 a pretty standard journey, you know. I wasn't my parents weren't into death metal or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it's just I've always I've always enjoyed the intensity, you know. Um, but again, the songwriting has to be good as well, you know. So there's some there's some bands that uh, a lot of people love and. Love. 
say that I enjoyed personally, but like I don't want to name drop too many bands or anything. But Slayer is one band that I've never been really that into personally. Um, but I do like like what they do. But it's just not for me, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of a controversial one, but yeah. <laughs> um. So I, want, I was wondering if you could ta- talk about the uh, your latest album a little bit, uh, Re- Reanimator. Uh, yeah, Reanimation. Yeah, sure. Oh, sorry, Reanimation. That's all right. I said that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just kind of. I oh, guess I'm wondering. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, my connection is kind of bad right now. <laughs> No, no, that's no problem. Um, so I was just kind of wondering, like, um, what what goes into, like, writing a full-length album like that, especially your third album? Like, what did you kind of take from previous albums and apply to the latest album? Um, I guess the best way is, to, I mean, the process for me... <laughs> It's kind of structuring it, you know, pre-structuring an album. You know, the for me, music is about mood and you know making you feel a certain way. Um, that's one of the main aspects for me. So if I if I start an album, like you know, I generally would start with concepts and stuff for song names. And, lyrics and stuff like that but also within the song names and lyrics so I'd give the songs moods um, you know like I don't know an example would be extremely brutal and fast or <laughs> you know mid-tempo headbanger or something like that you know and then basically make a design of how, how you want the album to how you want the moods to spike you know for people <laughs> and then you have a basic design there that well, we have a basic design sort of that we we don't strictly follow again because we don't want to restrict what could be but um, you know if you give yourself sort of guidelines of, of how you want to approach it it makes life a lot easier instead of just you know being like oh let's write an album and then just starting you know sometimes that can come out really naturally and well but you know if fear if you approach something with a bit of care and attention to detail uh, early on, then you know it makes the process a whole lot easier because at least you have a you have a target of what you want rather than just being like I want to make an album, but I don't know exactly how you know yeah. how far I want to take it. <laughs> yeah. That's how that's you know that's how bands end up spending two years. Sitting in a really expensive studio, just trying to come up with stuff. You know, I wouldn't want to be. I wouldn't want to be put in that position and then, you know, because I literally have no nothing to go off. You know, I'm just like. I think it's hard for anyone to just you know, be told sing a song 
from scratch. You know, it's it's not a not a nice position to be in. It, it, maybe if you're writing by yourself, it's uh, it's, an, it's a decent approach to take. But uh, with Blush of Dawn, we you know we write as a unit, you know, whether it's two of us or three of us or the whole band. You know, we don't write songs nowadays by ourselves. Um, and, that, and for me, that's better because it, you, if you bounce it off two creative minds, you, know, you can come up with something a lot stronger. Yeah, awesome. Um, so I don't want to put you on the spot here or anything, but are there any? I know you mentioned Testament, but are there any other like Canadian bands that you're really fond of? Uh, Quo Vadis is a really nice melodic death metal band that I don't feel has enough credit. Um, I mean, other than that, I can't think of any strictly Canadian bands that I... currently... Um, you know, I've, I've always appreciated bands like Beyond Creation... You know, they're a really incredible non-technical band, like really showing a lot of people how how it should be done on the instruments for sure. <laughs> um, there's also Archspire, who are incredibly over the top technical band, but again, really sort of innovating and doing stuff that people, you know, most humans can't can barely comprehend. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think that's really cool. Um, yeah, I, love, I, I like a bit of Rush as well. I like Who Doesn't. Yeah. So they're probably the, the greatest Canadian band and potentially greatest, one of the greatest bands ever. Yeah. So. <laughs> awesome. Um, so I guess since you have been like around and playing music for so long um, is there any advice that you would give maybe a younger person who wants to get into metal so it was like what advice could I give a younger yeah a younger person who's like looking to form a band sorry yeah you cut out a little bit that's fine um uh I guess just um, you know, make sure you're you're going in it for the right reasons. You know, do it for the enjoyment of it. Um, if it's something you really have a lot of ambition for, you're just going to need a lot of persistence and you know, an iron will to get where you want to be. Because it's not an easy road for you know, it's not only the finances. It's, um, it's hard on the relationships between band members and stuff like that, especially early on. Um, you know, the, the most important thing is just to enjoy yourself because, you know, life's short. So, don't waste time doing something you hate doing too much. <laughs> cool. Um, are there any just kind of final thoughts you want to throw out there before we wrap this up? No. Um, just want to say thanks for having me, and uh, really looking forward to coming coming over to Canada and you know, playing playing some shows for you guys. Um, you know, hopefully, it will be just the start of you know, many more tours and you know, 
know, great to see you guys there if you want to come down to the shows. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> you can find out all the details online for the tour dates. So. Cool. Uh, and I'll post that uh, in all the episode notes and stuff for this as well, so you'll be able to find it there. Awesome, there you go. Yeah, awesome. So thank you. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk with me and uh, have a great rest of your evening. <laughs> no, thank you very much, Cody. And uh, yeah, I hope to speak to you again. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, man. No worries, dude. <laughs> If you liked this episode of the podcast, why not leave a review? You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. For up-to-date information on the podcast, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can find us at Froggy Style Productions. That's Frog, the letter E, Style Productions. For more ways to support the show, visit fsproductions.ca.